Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com. So last week, Jimmy preached on Exodus 3. Moses and the burning bush. God has seen the misery of his people in Egypt. They are suffering under the rule of Pharaoh. And he tells Moses, I am sending you to the Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses humbly accepts this new opportunity and begins the journey that day. Powerful stuff, isn't it? Mom, it's not what happened. (laughs) But I'm glad you're geared up. Well, that is not at all what happened. We know from what's in scripture and what Jimmy shared that Moses questions God on this decision. For the rest of the chapter, God gives Moses clear instruction on what to say and how to proceed, as well as making clear to Moses who God is, his name in particular. In this planning, God tells Moses to include the elders of Israel, as well as what their role will be in the confrontation with Pharaoh. The chapter ends with the words from God, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. I love that God's instruction from God to, the, to Moses was to include the women. I love this. He knows we know how to prepare for a journey. The babies are going to be covered and well-fed, the children dressed and ready, and we will grab as many supplies as we carry, so as we can carry. So we, it's beautiful to me that God specifically says, go tell the women (laughs) this is what I want to have happen. And we also know that we will help the men pack up their stuff along the way. So I was using my prophetic imagination to imagine this conversation that Moses was having with women, like, okay, this is what God said, and they're all going, yep, we got it. (laughs) In today's text, uh, we start at this point. Mid-thought, nearing the end of the conversation with God and Moses, Moses has more questions for God. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? God says, take your staff, throw it down. As we read, it becomes a snake, And Moses has a very human response. He runs away. I mean, snakes move fast, and I I bet Moses was too. (laughs) However, he does come back because God tells him to grab the tail. Now, I was reading about snakes, (laughs) and I have read that you're supposed to grab them at the back of the, the neck area, if they have a neck, and to sort of grab him at the tail was kind of like, okay, you have to really trust God. I mean, this thing could turn back and totally bite you. But he doesn't and it turns back into a staff. So this is the first sign. God then says, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This is the third time in this conversation the Lord describes himself this way. In chapter three, uh, verse six, he says it to Moses after he has told him he's standing on holy ground. He reminds him that he is the God of of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So that's the first time he says it. Also in that chapter, verse 15, when he wondered what to tell the Israelites if they questioned him. Again, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's like, this is who I am. 
So you know, so the Israelites know, and so now Pharaoh knows. So God has a long title, and he wants him to let them know, I'm the one that sent you. These verses are also referred to in several New Testament books. God's identity is going to be known. And God, as the God who is the God of our ancestors, will be known. He has been faithful to each of them, a covenant God, and now to Moses and his people. Afterwards, he tells Moses to put his hand in his cloak, as we read. He pulls out his hand, and it is covered in leprosy. It says as white as snow, which sounds really frightening. God tells him to put it back in his cloak, which I'm sure he was apprehensive because he probably thinks, well, is it still in there? <laughs> and he pulls it out, and it is fully restored. His flesh is like the rest of his other flesh. God tells him if they don't believe the first sign, then maybe they'll believe the second. If they don't believe that, as we read, pour water on the ground and it will turn into blood. So water from the Nile River onto the ground. So God has given Moses three signs. He is really preparing Moses for this day or days in front of Pharaoh. He now has three signs that point back to who God is and that God is indeed the one who has sent him. The situation Moses is about to walk into is full of unknowns. This might sound familiar. It's potentially dangerous, and understandably so, it probably elicits a lot of fear. Can we for a moment sit with like, okay, I've been in this sort of situation in my life where you know you're called to do something, but there's all these feelings, all these concerns, all these unknowns, yet God has asked us to move forward. Now, I read Moses' response, or I read it a bit ago. In modern vernacular, Moses told God, God, I don't talk good. The extended version would be, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord reminds him first with questions. God does that. He has questions that he knows the answer to. First with questions, and then the answers he also gives. Who gives people the ability to speak or to be mute or to, be, or to hear or to be deaf or to see or to be blind? Is it not God? Is it not me, he says? And then God says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So I love this because God's like, I'm aware of who you are. Aren't I the one that makes this possible or not possible with each person? So why are you questioning or doubting me is what I feel like the, the subtext might be. And Moses doesn't ask, he tells God to pardon his servant and to please send someone else, which I feel is a very bold thing to say. <laughs> Not that I probably haven't done it, but it is a very bold thing to say. And so this is going to probably trigger a memory for many of you, some of you I grew up with, so I'm sure it will. Whenever I read these hesitations and eventually the refusal of Moses, I am reminded of a funny scene from the 1971 musical, The Fiddler on the Roof. Who has seen it? Okay, so a few more people than I thought. <laughs> that people would be like, what? If you haven't, you should. It's a classic. It's a little dated, but it's still really good. Kaim Topol, who rests in peace, uh, he died this year, had played the uh, role of Tevya in the movie, as well in literally thousands, like over 3,000 productions of this play. Tevya is a great character to play. He is so funny and sarcastic. He's a milkman, he's a husband, he's a father of seven girls that get themselves in all kinds of situations. And like I said, he's funny, and they live in the village of Boyarka, Ukraine. 
So this is when Ukraine was a part of the Russian government. And I think it was set around 1915, 1918. And like I said, Tevye is a character. And one day in particular, he's in the village square selling milk or exchanging for cheese or other things. And he has this short exchange with a local named Mindel, Tevye. As Abraham said, I'm a stranger in a strange land, Mindel. Moses said that, Tevye, forgive me, forgive me. Ah, uh, well, as King David said, I am slow of speech and slow of language. That was also Moses. For a man who was slow of language, he talked a lot. <laughs> And that was Tevye's response. And I think of that whenever I get to this section of scripture because it's like, yeah, Moses, you actually talk probably better than a lot of us. You're asking the questions. You're in conversation with God. God came to you specifically, yet you think you don't sound very eloquent, yet we are hearing you be very eloquent, ask good questions. But let's read God's response again. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. So you see, God is making a way even now. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So Moses wasn't getting out of it. (laughs) He just wasn't doing all the talking. There's something really uncomfortable about um, God's anger burning against him. Like, I, that, that to me is like, we'll get to that in a minute, but that to me is like, I don't want God on that level angry with me. However, God will make a way. That's what we see here. Isn't that true? God will make a way. Even when there is no way, he is the way maker. Moses resisted. The Lord was angry. Aaron was the solution as far as the talking went. They had a solution. God had worked for Moses as well. He wasn't just sending someone. The buddy system was in effect, and there was a job for everyone. Exodus is such a powerful book. And as I read this text over and over, there was so much that came to the forefront for me, so much that is applicable in the here and the now all these years, thousands of years later. What do we observe about God For starters, those who are being oppressed matter to God. He heard the cries of his people who were in bondage. In Psalm 103.6, he read, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So it's not even limited to the children of Israel. It's all the oppressed, then as well as for the ones to come. I remember in my Old Testament class discussing how the Exodus story is one that many African Americans, many black Americans have related to over the years. Oppression in a foreign land, and in the midst of struggle and tyranny, crying out in hope to God who might deliver, him, might, might deliver them as he did the children of Israel. This is a very familiar passage and lot, for a lot of African Americans, and we probably will talk about that more as we actually get into the Exodus story. And we get to witness God being alive in this story. God both calls and commissions Moses, in spite of his objections, to act as God's agent confronting Pharaoh and demanding Israel's freedom. God's character and identity are revealed and established. We also learn that God is one who prepares. He gave Moses three signs, not so he could wow everybody. These weren't magic tricks. 
but so that Moses might display God's power, God's glory, who he is, and believe the seriousness that he wanted his people out of this situation. God was not playing around. This was going to happen. I often say to people that God isn't going to ask something of you, then say, goodbye and good luck. (laughs) Hope that goes well for you. I'll be waiting here when you return with the mission accomplished, and don't talk to me till then. That is not our God. Sometimes we might feel that way if there's silence or if there's not the results we see, but God prepares us and God is with us. He is a God who considers us, prepares us, is with us, which I just said. When I was thinking about this, two verses in the New Testament came to mind as we remember that God prepares us and knows us in the midst of all that we have going on. Because I can look around and I know there's a lot going on here. A lot going on here. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these he has given us, his, uh, sorry, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God prepares us through Jesus Christ. He has made a way for us. We also see a God who becomes angry. God's anger burned against Moses, knowing that he had called Moses and even was equipping him. Yet God's will will be accomplished. Even when sometimes we get in our own way, straight up refuse to do what is asked of us, God does not stay angry. In Psalm 103 as well, starting at verse 7, he made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people, deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God does not stay angry. But throughout scripture, we do read of him being angry, but he is not a God that we should fear and run away from. He is a God that, that embraces that emotion of anger but does not stay there, and his ways will be accomplished. Now, what do we observe about, observe about Moses? Perhaps there's even familiarity to some of his actions in our own life. We see his excuses, his refusal, and I'm not judging Moses. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but this is just the facts, folks. What if they don't believe me? I don't speak well. Please send someone else. But what if it is us? What if it is you he's sending? Maybe not to Pharaoh, even though there are Pharaohs all in this land, but to that coworker, to be the first to reconcile with that estranged family member, to take, to take a different path in work, ministry, or school, to do something that's not quite comfortable. What if it is you? And I would imagine even in our lives there are times where it is or has been us that he's like, this is going to be hard, but I will equip you. I have called you. The what ifs and fear will always be there. We know this, we are human, we have walked with people long enough to know this. And that's an unfortunate but true reality. The what ifs and the fear will always be there. Even when goodness, freedom, liberation could be on the other side of it. Those things might be at the forefront. 
We don't have to give in, though, and let them be what stops us from what we know we are called to do. Do you all know what I'm talking about when you get that, like, burning, like, I know this is what the Lord wants me to do, and yet either the fear or the anger is still in a situation or any emotion that is a negative emotion is there. I'm sure I'm not the only one that has experienced this. Matter of fact, I see people shaking their heads. (laughs) We know Moses wanted his people free from Egypt. It's not that he resisted that part of things. It's just what was it going to take to get to that point. And we also know he did go in the end, just in a slightly different way. God wanted him to go and speak. He went as one showing signs, and he did end up speaking. We know that, as we'll get to later. If you read Acts, and you should read Acts 7, Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin, it's powerful. He gives an account of the ancestors with most of the emphasis on Moses. I mean, this man, I don't know if he talked for an hour straight. I don't know how long it took him to say this. He was stoned right after. So talk about no excuses and having that courage to say, I know God has called me to say these words. I know that Jesus lived here at one time and lives in me, and I'm supposed to say these words. So Acts 7, Stephen's account of all this with Moses and the ancestors. And lastly, when considering Moses, he was never alone in this. God told him to call the elders, we see that in chapter 3, and Aaron, we see that in chapter 4. His brother, was; they were with him. And those are some of the people we know from the text. We also know there's a lot of people not mentioned, usually the women, that walked alongside So even though he had this large task of confronting Pharaoh, he had people walking alongside alongside him, holding him him accountable, confronting him, walking with him, and he with them. You and I are not alone. Look around, even just in this room. Look around at all the people that are here. Think of those who have walked with you in your wilderness times, in uncertain times, when God has prompted you to do something hard, when you have put yourself in a bad situation, as well as times of goodness and plenty. These and those outside of the room are your companions on the journey, sometimes even pulling you from the edge. Like Moses, let's say yes to the Lord in the end. (laughs) He said yes to the Lord. And let's also know that he will not abandon us to our fear. He will not abandon us to the situations that are difficult. There's also a lot of joy along the way, as many of us have experienced. But God wants us to be the ones that say yes, to go into those hard places, to reach those people that maybe we don't want to reach, or maybe it's difficult to reach. Because as much as it's for them, y'all, it's for us too. And he has called us to be in fellowship and in community as we're doing those things. Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.